when we leave the pen in his, in God's hands. He will never be disappointed with the story of our lives. Eric Lundy What's your story? Each of our lives are stories, stories in the making, with beginnings, middles, and ends. Now obviously, if you're listening to this, the end of your story has yet to come. It's still being written. Each of our lives are all like good stories, filled with crazy characters and conflict and resolution, sometimes. Filled with joy and heartbreak and hopefully meaning. Recently, Pastor Jim Bergen encouraged everyone at Flatirons to tell their story. Tell the story of how they met Jesus, how they met him, and then how they started following him. We each have a story, and everyone's story is different, right? I mean, they're like fingerprints, each unique, one of a kind, belonging only to one. Still, there's similarities too. Some of us found Jesus at church, the church we grew up in. Others, others found him traveling that long, hard road of mistakes and failures. And some of you are still trying to figure out who Jesus is. Another story in the making. Donna Masteller has a story that begins at home, growing up in a family, in a faith system that just didn't make sense to her. And then she met the real Jesus. And like the flowers Donna arranges for a living, each step toward Jesus, like a rose or a carnation or an orchid, each step culminating into a beautiful bouquet that Jesus uses every day. Coming up, Roses, the Donna Masteller story. This is Longmont Campus Pastor Dan Foote, and you're listening to The Long Haul. Life, faith, and the road ahead. So you and your husband, JR, have been attending here at Longmont for a year now, right? A little over a year, yes. Yeah. You have quite a story when it involves coming to Jesus. Yes. So let's let's first start off. You grew up in California. I did. I grew up in the hills of California, uh, in the country. Um, we had a farm and we had goats. It was quite delightful. So where was this farm? It it was west of Placerville, so on Highway 50. Okay, is that Northern California? Yeah, Northern California. Okay. Um, if you were to draw a line from Lake Tahoe to Sacramento. It's right in that line. Okay. So you grew up in California. You came from a family that was deeply devoted, correct? Yeah. I was raised LDS. You were a Mormon. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about that. I mean, were your parents raised Mormon and their parents? Oh, absolutely. Brigham Young actually commissioned my family to start the town of Paraguna, Utah. So we have... Deep roots. Deep roots in the Mormon yes, community. Yes. Yeah, the LDS. Mm-hmm. So talk about that. Talk about what was it like growing up Mormon? Um, as long as I was a compliant child, it was great because I was good. But every time you made a mistake, it was there was no grace. It was a life absence of grace. When you say what constituted good and what when did you need grace? What did you do that needed grace that you didn't receive? Like not cleaning or just simple things. Really? <laughs> yeah. 
Not it even was, sinful things. Yeah, there was. It's in, well, I, I was too afraid to make mistakes. I was a compliant child. I know that's hard to believe. Um, <laughs> I, I just didn't do a lot of things wrong. Yeah. I was compliant until I wasn't. When when did you stop being compliant? When I was sixteen. So talk about that. What uh, happened at sixteen? Well, at sixteen. The biggest thing was I went to church, a Christian church, with a friend, and I told my parents I was going to a youth group. So you got invited by a friend to youth group? Yes, yeah. Her name was Deanna, and uh, she invited me, and it was just fun. They were playing games and everything, and then afterwards it got real serious, and everybody sat down. They were kind of bowing their heads, and I'm going, well, this is weird, Um, but I'll, I'll go with it and um they had an altar call i didn't know what that meant but he did ask me he go he asked all of us but i thought he was looking at me he said have you ever felt like you're just not good enough Mm. that no matter what you do you will never gain god's favor and i was like yes that is 100% me. How did you know? And I went up and I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And that was it. How did that go over oh. once you got to LDS back home? <laughs> um, my dad, when I walked in the door, goes, well, were you saved? And oh, really? I just walked away. You didn't say yes or no? Just- no, no. No, no. <laughs> what was their response when you first told them you're going to go to church with this uh, other girl who was not Mormon? They said I could go as long as I invited her to something at my church. Okay. So that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I, I do get that. But you went first. You went to see her yes. with her. Yeah. And then there was – it was really weird. Um, I don't know how to explain this, Dan. It was like – scales being ripped off my eyes mm. um, because I was going to seminary like all good Mormon kids do before they go to high school. So explain that to us. For those of us that don't understand the Mormon okay. kind of like transactions. A seminary was a a schooling that we would go to before high school. Okay. Um, each year, like if you were, one year would be Bible, um, New Testament. One would be Old Testament. The other one was the Book of Mormon, and the other one was church history. And when I was a senior, it was the New Testament. Yeah. And I remember going, and I went, wait a second. They believed that Jesus Christ was the literal son of God. And I'm, <laughs> my hand goes up in seminary. I go, but God wasn't sealed to Mary so that was adultery. They didn't get married in the temple. I went home. Mom had already gotten the phone call. Because you said yep. God committed adultery, yeah. and there was a phone call at home. When you yeah, got- yeah. And then when I got in trouble for that, I'm thinking, well, the big hinge pin in the Mormon church is Joseph Smith on his knees praying, and the the Bible verse he was given, if anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Yeah. So I'm thinking, well, I am clearly lacking wisdom, and I'm just asking questions, and I'm getting in trouble. And I'm, I'm going, well, I'm just going to try this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray, and I'm going to ask some questions. 
and I didn't get answers, I got more questions. If the whole goal of the Mormon religion is for everybody to be together forever, and the other goal is to get your own planet, how are you together forever? And I asked that question. And what what kind of response did you get? I got another phone call to my mom. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, it, it was not well received. The ruler of your planet. Right. <laughs> yes. Well, actually, my dad would be the ruler, but, yeah. but we know who the ruler was. Right. And I got in a lot of trouble. And that's when I just went, there's too many holes. This doesn't make sense. No. And right about that time, you know, I just accepted Christ. I'm questioning things. I was a 17-year-old that found out she was pregnant. Oh. And she wasn't just pregnant. She was five months pregnant. Oh, Wow. So when I went to the doctor, I found out I was going to be a mom in four months. Yeah. And that was crazy. Yeah, that didn't go over well at home, did it? Um, Well, it was different than you would think. I was in the hospital, had just delivered my amazing son, and my mom went and bought my wedding dress. Hmm. So I could marry this person. So I wasn't... Was he Mormon? No. Okay. No. So that marriage only lasted nine months. Yeah. Because you... It doesn't work marrying a boyfriend. (laughs) And then I went through another relationship, and I had my daughter. And that was two years, very short relationship. And I felt the lowest of lows at that time. Now, where are you? So you're how old now? I was 19. Well, I was 21 when um, I was divorced for the second time. And where were you in this journey of faith? Like uh, like still kind of like hovering back and forth between yes. the Latter-day Saints and Christianity? And- yeah, I was, I was riding a fence that was very uncomfortable. And um, I met this man, J.R. Masteller. He came into the flower shop that my mom worked at, and he asked me out on a date. He was a nice guy. And we went out on a date, and he paid. I had <laughs> never had that. So, really? <laughs> yes. So it was my first date. He paid, and I ordered a fruit cup and went to the Warriors game, Golden State Warriors. Right. Um, and that night, it was he was a gentleman, and he showed me kindness and respect. And what was Jr. doing at this time? He had was recently divorced, mm-hmm. so he was a father of two as well. And it it was crazy. This date, it, it was like I had never met somebody I was so connected with. About a month into us dating, he tried to break up with me. Why was that? Because I was not a Christian. He said, you cannot hold on to some of the beliefs of the LDS and hold on to Christianity. Either one is the truth or the other one is a lie. And you have to choose. Yeah. And I went, well, that makes sense. If there are lies in this one, then that's not true. And that was an easy break for me. Hmm. So we ended up getting married six months after we met. Oh, yeah. Merging these two families. Yes, two families put in a blender. That's the blended family. Yeah. (laughs) What was life like in the blender at first? I think we hit puree for a while. Yeah. Um. He was uh, working at a for a flower company. He was delivering flowers, and that's that's how we met. 
you were working at a florist and he was delivering flowers. Yeah, yeah. And so that was great. He was no longer working at a school. So that's what he did before? Yes. He was a school teacher in Melpitas, California. Okay. And then he ended up getting a job at Valley Christian in Dublin, California. And we got married. It was great. We were there. Things were going great. Um, we attended the church where my brother-in-law was the pastor and JR was the youth pastor. We just, it was great. That's great. But then did something happen? My husband got a job at a church here in Longmont, and that's what brought us out here after teaching for 10 years at Valley Christian. So then he was working at Valley Christian and then got offered a job here in Colorado. Yeah. Where? Um, At LifeBridge Christian Church. He was the sports pastor, and it was his dream because sports were his passion. And you guys have been married for how long now? Oh, 33 years. There you go. Yeah. And where are the kids? Well, my daughter lives in Hawaii. My son lives in Millican. JR's son lives in L.A., and his daughter lives here in Longmont. Okay. Half are close, and the other half are west and some way west. Yes. Yeah. Um, We were fortunate he was able to adopt my two children. Oh, cool. So, yeah. Yeah. Talk about getting into the florist world because you're in a ministry. You even said this. This is my ministry. Yes. So I want to talk. I want to kind of delve into why being in the floral arts is your ministry. But talk about that. So first you met JR when your mom was working at a florist. Yes. So talk about getting you know, from there and then how you're where you're at now. Well, I worked for their their shop as a designer. I'm a self-taught designer, and I love it. And when JR got the job out here, I started working at Longmont Florist. And I love what I do. Yeah. But part of my heart was still sad because here's my husband, who's amazing, and he's in ministry. And I poke flowers. Hmm. It was one of those times, you know, you know how God talks gently to most people? He doesn't always talk gently to me because I'm a redhead. He's, I'm... <laughs> I am the person that he just picks up by the nap of the neck and has to shake me a little bit. And you redheads. You, I know. Yeah, it's my, hard to get your attention. I know. Well, um, I just went one day, I was just going, God, how come you know, my husband's in ministry and his job is important and valuable and I'm seeing people you know, come to the Lord because of basketball. And here I am just poking flowers and... Um, God talked to me very gently in that moment. He said, my dear daughter, I give you something nobody else gets. And I'm going, I'm waiting. (laughs) What do I get? (laughs) Besides thorns in my hands. He told me, you have a prayer list that nobody else has. Mm. You get to see who's having an anniversary. So you can pray for that marriage. You know who's sick. You can pray for those that are sick. You know who's sad, and you can pray for them. And you know who's grieving, who's had a loss. So every day, I get my orders. You know, when I think, what what does my job have to do with the kingdom of God? It has a lot. Yeah. And I, knowing that and just seeing God bless me in that way, you right. know, when you, we all get in a pattern where we don't, feel like what we're doing matters. Mm -hmm. And then I just looked down. 
I don't see the names, but I'll see the card message. Right. And I'll just go, okay, I need to pray for this person. They're hurting. And rather than kind of getting lost in your head, mm-hmm. daydreaming or listening to music, or you use this time to pray for each of these people that come across your your, yes. What, is it a table? A desk. A, desk? <laughs> a trough. Okay. My trough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so do you have any stories around some stuff that's happened, like families or people you've prayed for? That's very interesting. There is one lady that, um, as a customer that would come in, and I got to know her really well. She's a, I would consider her a friend. And one day I told her, I, you know, I'll be praying for you because her father was sick. I sent her a note because I had her address. Right. <laughs> so I just sent her a note and just told her, you're honoring your father by taking care of him. You are amazing. And she came back in and said, I can tell you were praying for me. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. it was just, it was really cool. And I know there's a lot of other stories that I'll never know. Sure. But I know that I what I'm doing matters. Because... What happened is we were in a discussion. I was sharing that we had just done a funeral mm-hmm. for somebody here in Longmont. And you said, oh, I know. I did I did the, the flowers for the casket. Yeah. And and then you told me the story about coming through like a dark time going like, my, my job doesn't matter. And then God kind of reveals to you, oh, it does matter. I give you a prayer list every day. Yeah. And it's true. Like these these people that order flowers, they're important occasions, right? They're either like the happiest times or the saddest. Yes. Like you said, you don't know the names. No. But you know the incidents. Yep. And you can pray for them because God knows their names. Right. And it has given you purpose in this too, right? Right. And yeah. not all of us see purpose in our job. You know, it, it's hard. But I think if you were to ask God, you know, why am I doing this? You know, he spoke to me and he was nice. <laughs> so, yeah. So share with me, how would you describe your purpose in this? Mm. My purpose is um, to create art that makes people feel good. And without them knowing it, they have somebody praying for them. Not everybody has that. And I, I have to tell you, I I will do 30, 40 orders a day. Mm-hmm. And that's 30 or 40 people that are getting prayed for. How many other jobs can we do that? Like if you're a cashier, every time you're, you're helping somebody, you can go, okay, I need to pray for dude in white shirt. Yeah. Or, you know, I... Just something simple like that to be able to pray for them because if they're buying a birthday cake, you know what what the occasion is or just be with their family that they're bringing the food home to. Well, that's the thing that struck me when you said that. I mean, it would be so easy to land in that negative space. Absolutely. Going like, it does. what I'm doing doesn't matter to anybody. Mm-hmm. But then to see, and this is an encouragement for everyone, yeah. no matter what we do. Wherever we're at. Yeah. Like you just said, pray for dude in white shirt. Yeah. You know, whether you're a cashier, whether you're an insurance man, a plumber, you know, whatever that is, 
we should be praying for those that God has placed in our world, right? Absolutely. And there's something beautiful about what you get to do every day. Like I said, people buy flowers because they're important occasions. They're markers for something that has happened, either a birth, a death, an anniversary. There's something that has happened in someone's life that is monumental and they're buying flowers. And Longmont Florist has someone who is praying for them every day. And that's beautiful. Donna's life, Donna's story, took on a calling when God showed her the importance of her job. Again, she might get paid to arrange flowers, but God revealed to Donna that her calling is to pray for the lives of those who cross her arranging table every day. And what do those orders for flowers represent? They represent lives and stories in the making. Weddings, births, birthdays, anniversaries, apologies, and deaths. Chapters, important steps, and the story of others' lives. And the beautiful secret, one that hardly any of them will ever know, is that there is someone, Donna Mastella, who has prayed for them and is praying for them. Whatever chapter is being written. So what's your story? Where are you on this road of life and faith? Wherever you're at, let's travel together. I hope you'll join us for our next stop. This is Dan Foote, and you've been listening to The Long Haul. Life, faith, and the road ahead.